Welcome to the Soup is On podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Cook, Superintendent of Dental Pine Schools. On the Soup is On podcast, we talk about all things public education, specifically as they relate to our Ben Lapine schools and the greater community here in Central Oregon. Today, we are tackling the world of athletics in our high schools and how that landscape has changed during the past two years. I'm excited to be joined by two of our athletic directors here today to talk through this topic. First of all, Dave Williams, who serves as our district athletic director and also as athletic director for our newest high school, Caldera High School, as well as Lance Hawes, who is the athletic director at Mountain View High School. Welcome to the podcast, both of you. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you very much for having us. First of all, I'd like to start with a big thank you to both of you for the work that you've done to keep our schools functioning and have that uh, extracurriculars as a part of the student experience now, gosh, two years into this pandemic, and keep athletics uh, in our schools going. I know it's not been an easy road, uh, one that has lots of shifts and lots of maneuvering that we've had to manage lots of changes and lots of safety protocols that we've also been responsible for implementing. And you two have done an amazing job, along with all of our athletic directors, to uh, provide those experiences and to do it in a safe and meaningful way so that kids uh, do get access to that part of their high school experience. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of those rules and regulations and that juggling act that you all have been doing now for, gosh, two years. But let's start uh, with the why, what brought you into the work and It's always been my experience that the athletic director is oftentimes the most underappreciated position in the high school next to the custodian sometimes because there's not a whole lot of thanking people for the officials showing up on time and making sure that all of the uh, supplies and things are ready on the field. And uh, I just have a lot of admiration for the work you do. But let's talk about what brought you specifically into the roles and and why you're here and why this is something you've chosen as your career path. So Dave, let's start with you. Can you uh, talk a little bit about what got you into the field of athletics and maybe how you started and what it brought you or how you started as a, as a younger student and uh, then how did it eventually become your career? Boy, you're taking me way back to when I was a young kid. You know, just started out in athletics with the support of you know, my, my family and my, I have older siblings that were involved and had a lot of opportunity to you know, move that direction as a youth, played all through youth, played all through high school, uh, pretty fortunate to be able to play in, at the college level and had so many great mentors and great teammates along the way that just keep you going in those things. You know, I can I can think of names like Mike Chambliss and Elmer Groner and Monty McDonald and my college coach, Jack Riley, that give you a, a different perspective on on why you are involved in, in sports and all those all those lessons and and just things you take away that help you you know become a better dad brother friend all those things so that's why i continue to do the work and what you know what really launched into where i am today with with my own family and 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 watching and helping support coaches and kids try to get the same experience that i that i had cuz they were you know invaluable lessons and experiences that shaped who i am that's really where it all came for me and starting a teaching career here, being being fortunate enough to come back to the place I graduated from, um, the school district, and uh, spend a lot of time in at different levels of schools from middle to high. Yeah, it's, it's been an enjoyable ride, I know that, and frustrating, and it, it runs both sides of the spectrum so, and everything in between. Well, I'm sure we'll get into the, the frustrating part along with this and the enjoyable part of this as we talk, but... Lance, how about you? What Did you grow up around sports and athletics? Um, how did you wind up 
even here today as athletic director for Mountain View High School? Yeah, you know, I grew up playing sports uh, from Little League and basketball, and I was fortunate enough to have my parents were a big influence. You know, my dad coached all of my basketball teams. He coached all of my baseball teams. And, you know, I got into athletics at a young age that way. And my mom, she was in public education. She was a 35-year educator. And so I kind of grew up in the school system and, and playing sports. And my story is kind of interesting because when I went through high school, I, I was literally a slacker. I didn't work very hard in the off-season. I found reasons not to do anything. And then I actually went to college to become a health education teacher. And I applied for my first coaching job freshman year in college. I called my mom and said, hey, I'm applying for a coaching job. And my mom, that's awesome. But now when she tells the story, she's like, there's no way he's getting this job. (laughs) It was a small high school, like a 1A school in outside of Pullman, Washington, and they just needed bodies. And so they hired me. And my mom was shocked. And that kind of got me into the education world with the coaching aspect of it. And that's kind of what formed everything. I was lucky enough then to move to a different high school and start getting some mentors. And I learned what basically what hard work was. And that kind of then formed into my coaching career and learned about putting in the time, putting in the effort and everything. And that made for a very successful uh, basketball coaching career that landed me back in Eugene, where I uh, originally came from. Uh, I was lucky enough to be at Willamette High School for 17 years as a classroom teacher and basketball coach. And we were successful and got to instill that hard work from being a slacker and who didn't put any time to try to inspire kids to want to put in the effort. And so that was really rewarding. And on top of just the classroom and the connections that you make. And then the burnout period hit. Starting at a young age and everything, I got burned out. And I thought that was it for athletics. Well, I took one year off and got bored. And uh, my wife uh, wanted to get me off the couch because she was tired of watching me mope around. And our athletic director at the time, Barry Bookin, said, why don't you come be an assistant athletic director and see if you want to do this. I'm going to retire. And I was like, sure. Yeah, sounds good. And from that moment on, getting to connect with kids in a different way and like watching them grow and trying to help them. I knew that that could be the next kind of phase of my career. And then Barry retired at Willamette and I was able to be the uh, athletic director there for a couple of years and uh, got a good solid foundation with some good mentors. And then uh, Dave Hood, the athletic director, former at Mountain View, mentioned that there might be an opportunity with him retiring here. And my parents have moved over to Eagle Crest. And long story short is, I was lucky enough to get the job here. And it's been great watching uh, this community because this community is huge in sports and the way they support everybody. And just happy to be part of it and hoping to continue you know, to send those lessons along to the, the kids over here. Thanks, Lance. Let's go back in time, both of you. Um, Let's go back to 2019 and and really kind of framing of before the pandemic hit. And I'd love to know what a normal year for an athletic director looks like. What does it look like when sports are part of the everyday environment and and kids and coaches and and teachers and parents are the focal points of how do we we conduct a season? How do you make sure that all the the moving pieces are, are in place? Give our listeners just a little bit of background on the normalcy of that schedules, coaches, students, parents, etc. And then we'll move into what it looks like now and how that may be shifted. Yeah, normal season. You remember any of those from the past? <laughs> Starting to become a distant memory. <laughs> you know, typical season, take a fall football season. You develop a schedule a year in advance, sometimes two. You schedule facilities, you, you help coaches organize preseason workouts, 
communications with families, all the transportation involved, all the communication with the uh, opposing schools, officials associations. Then you launch into your season with the preseason workouts and the start of the actual practicing. And you get to your games and you just hope everything goes smoothly and things can be pulled off without any issues and try to stick to your schedule that you've put out to your communities. Even in a normal sports season, those things don't happen all the time. But that, that's the ultimate goal is to make it consistent and accessible and everybody being involved at whatever level they want to be with their programs. Exactly. You know, you're just doing a lot of organizing. I mean, we do a lot of the behind the scenes work. And then when it's Friday night or a Thursday night for a volleyball game, you know, it's kind of fun to sit back and watch hopefully all that that plan come together and, uh, you know, watch your teams perform. We just want to make sure that make it as easy as possible for coaches so their jobs to show up and help coach the kids and keep their programs going. And we try to take care of everything else for them. And there are things that are not necessarily always in your control, right? Like coaches might do something that was unexpected or spectators not showing up or showing up too early or being disruptive at the event or officials. Like I know we're struggling sometimes even now still to get officials. That's just part of the job. Like how do you, how do you navigate that in the moment of the competition, whichever, you know, if we're talking a volleyball match or we're talking basketball or football, there are so many moving pieces to just pulling off. I think Dave, you said hope that everything goes okay in that event. There's a lot of parts to that. There are, there's, you know, just holding a basketball game, an event, you range from the people at the front gate inviting spectators in and then they go from there to the venue to the concession stands there's a lot of opportunity for things to detour from the plan and you know just knowing knowing other athletic directors and the way that you organize events you like to stick to those plans as best possible but yeah you get the the fans that are up there yelling at the officials and you get the the coaches that are doing the same and and sometimes the officials are yelling back and you know sometimes the IDs are yelling at the officials and, <laughs> and there's you know there, there's there's just I don't think there are too many unexpected things anymore because I don't know if I've seen it all but pretty close to to those things and yeah we've had to ask people to leave or or remove coaches from games and those are the ugly things. Uh, those are the things that don't happen all too often. But if you're not ready for them, then yeah, it can take you by surprise and, and it can ruin your event. I mean, I've seen some ugliness at some of our events and we've had to make you know modifications to where people sit and where we sit our student sections. Um, there's been some ugliness in the past and, and it continues on occasion. But yeah, we have to modify those plans a lot in order for people to be able to enjoy the event and for the kids that are underneath the lights of Friday night get the best experience that they can. Yeah, I think you have to, and you know, like especially being an athletic director, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades. You never know, all of a sudden, you might have to be the announcer. You might have to all of a sudden find another scorekeeper. You have to jump in and be the clock keeper. You know, you might have to work the chain crew. So, like Dave said, you have the best laid plans, but you you know that they, that they can go sideways at any second. And then you're just kind of relying on some experience and everything to make those adjustments because you don't want the final product, which is the kids' performance and the kids' event, to really notice that anything's gone sideways. 
So, I mean, it's just it's a matter of just being flexible and knowing as you come into an event, you can be as you have every A to B to C to D all lined out, but you know, you might have to go from A to C real fast and you can't let it show. It's just the kids are the number one goal. Okay, let's go back in time when the pandemic first hit, March of 2020. Uh, I'm betting we all remember exactly what we were doing when we started to have the conversation. We effectively, I think, shut down just about every school in the country. Let's talk just a little bit about your memories of that and how that impacted the athletic programs and athletic, not not even all sports were in session, but every athletic program was impacted by those decisions. Let's talk a little bit about what that looked like for you all. I just think back to that day, I just remember my phone buzzing right away because it was like leading up to it was all the collegiate sports started canceling. Tournaments were being canceled. Major League Baseball, everything was all being shut down. So you kind of could feel it coming. And then I just kind of remember uh, getting the call that we were shut down. And it was it was, it was was strange because I remember taking my laptop out of my office kind of wondering, oh, we'll be back in like two weeks. And I talk about calling our coaches and just saying, you know, we're going to be like in a, probably two weeks or so, we'll be back. And then constantly having to call them again and just say, you know, we're not back yet. And I think, you know, the really the, the hardest part about it was just seeing like their faces when you told them that I don't know when we're going to come back. And that at that point, we didn't have any ideas. And even when they're in phone conversations, you could just tell how our, especially our fall, our spring coaches would say, you know, their spirits were just down because they didn't know if they were going to get a season at all trying to, you know, keep them moving forward that way as far as I think we're going to be okay. And ultimately, it didn't happen. Just trying to bring them back. But it was hard. It was hard. And um, I think that's still some, with our special spring coaches and our spring programs, you know, I still think they're recovering from that last season. Yeah, I remember I remember that day vividly. I was at the at the uh, 5A state basketball tournament as an official and they, you know, you could just see the domino effect starting from the NBA, then Major League Baseball, then the Pac-12 tournaments were starting to question things and then the OSAA started questioning their basketball tournament. One day we had full venues with spectators and the very next day there was no spectators and then I remember walking I was the next game up walking out of the locker room going on to the floor and they canceled the tournament then my next thought was I got to get home start dealing with our programs at our school the initial closure came out two weeks we're going to flatten the curve we're going to let this blow over we're going to just take a break and I remember those conversations walking out on the baseball field talking to the team and the just like Lance said seeing their faces you know it's just going to be two weeks we're going to be good and then going on the same thing with the softball and the track and two weeks and then two weeks turned into a month and then a month turned into the rest of the season and those kids lost their season. I do agree. I think a lot of programs are still trying to recover from from that initial shock and that initial news of, of all that and losing that. You hear that a lot. People come back to, we lost our season, especially in the spring. Just the extension of those times and and seeing the coaches get outside of their traditional box and, and get outside of what they normally did and the creativity on how they connected with those kids was unbelievable. That's what I remember about the first the first closure was just all the creativity and, and keeping kids connected to their programs. That's what really resonates with me is the fact that, that it isn't a dismissing of 
the seriousness of the pandemic, but it's the commitment that our folks have had to the kids. And, you know, I think back to, to my senior year in high school and, and the last of my sports seasons in high school and think about what it would feel like to have that pulled out from under me. And I just, I, I just have to recognize that the adult's commitment to those kids' lived experiences as a part of the sports community, if you will. And for many of those kids, it was their last shot. And how that, how the loss of that opportunity drove much of that behavior you're talking about. Okay, so I don't want to linger there long. There's a lot of challenges there and a lot of pain, but I do think it's important for us to set the stage of, okay, we lost that. We started moving into a time period where we think it's okay to start bringing back sports months later. And, and I wasn't here, so I'm wondering, Dave, if you could walk us through what it was like as we started to talk about what it was like to bring some of our sports competitions back and how challenging that process was. I think we had we had a great team plan within the high school that developed this plan to to bring things back and I, I believe we did that in early June yeah we started developing in early June with workouts it was it was interesting that I mean this has evolved so many different ways over time and and what we were doing at the very start of of when we brought people back and all of the sanitation stations and all of the Clorox wipes and we were making people I mean people we were bringing our groceries home and wiping down the groceries with Clorox wipes before we put them in the cupboards and and we were making our baseball programs after every time they would handle a ball, they'd have to spray them all down with with uh, with sanitizer. Same with basketball. We're wiping down basketballs after, or kids would have to use an individual ball. But yeah, we slowly started bringing things back in the summertime, and our numbers went through the roof. We had so many kids that were from they had come off of what three months of doing pretty much nothing, yep. come back into the summer programs, which all of them are rolling in the summertime, and kids were bouncing from track to football to baseball. I mean, our numbers were through the roof. It was really cool to see that and, and how coaches and administrators and schools and, and families came back with everything we had to put in place and did the best they can to, to make it work. Oh, we had, yeah, we had families and everything that were just so excited to be back in the summertime. And, and our coaches were doing an amazing job of checking in with, all, like Dave said, all the sanitation, wiping down volleyballs. But I know our participation numbers were as high as they've ever been during the summer. And our coaches were, were, being, were thinking outside of the box. We'd have virtual workouts. They were meeting on Zoom, you know, to try to make sure that we kept kids connected. I mean, it was pretty amazing that, that summer watching everybody get started. So I imagine in your, somewhere in your memory is the first interscholastic competition we had after that pause uh, or one that stands out that I'd love to hear a little bit about that process from both of you. Well, I know, I know ours is when we got back because the seasons all flipped around. So it was uh, interesting playing football in late February. And so, you know, I got to learn how to run a uh, snowblower real quick <laughs> to help make sure that we could practice. I just remember that first time that we actually got to tell our kids, that, you know, that they got to don like their helmets and compete and just the, their looks. They were just excited about being back there. And then just the feeling of being back out on the field, not with just a sanitation wipe, just that there's another team on the other side and we get to go and just the looks on their face. And it was the same with volleyball, because at that point, we still weren't having any spectators. And for we were scrubbing the floor between matches. Yep. The Zamboni. Yep. But both just looking in, I remember that first volleyball match that we had, just both teams, and they were just, you could see it in the kids' eyes. 
and even our coach's eyes, just like, just glad to be back. And it wasn't the same, and everybody realized it, but they were back, and they were doing something they love, and then you could see why they were back in the summer times, too, with all those numbers. I was, uh, you know, I was transitioning at the end of that school year. I was transitioning out of Bend High into the role that I currently have. And I was outside of the building last school year. I wasn't overly involved in the event operation during that initial year. We had a lot of, the OSAA called them contingency groups, where we were trying to plan for how seasons would look and how, you know, what a cross-country meet would look like, how we would park the buses, check the kids in, check the spectators in. What would the start line look like? What would the finish line look like? Would we run kids out like a like a cross-country ski race where we would start one kid and then a minute later start another kid? There was all kinds of things being thrown around. Fortunately for me, I didn't have to pull those events off that initial year. I just had, you know, my role was to help our schools plan how to bring it back and our schools had a great plan. We got them back. We got them slowly coming back and then all of our seasons got jumbled around and we were playing basketball in the spring and baseball in the winter spring and football it was just it was a mess but the resiliency of our kids and families and our coaches was pretty cool that they just kind of rolled with it they weren't happy about it but they rolled with it and got kids doing those things again hoping that we would get to this fall and it would be normal well it's not normal yet but we're making it as normal as we can, just pressing on and keeping kids active and engaged and access to cool stuff. So you mentioned normal, Dave. That's uh, I'm just curious. You know, now we're talking about all the things that we've tried and the, the the things that kind of now we continue to still do. And you talk about that resiliency. What's it like right now? You know, we're two years. We're solid two years in. We're we're about to come up on month 24. We've essentially got most of our athletic seasons back. But it's still not normal. So what's going on right now? How's this work look differently or similarly to pre-COVID, if you will? And and I think some of those mitigation strategies are still in place now. What's it look like today for our listeners? A lot of disruption, a lot of distraction, a lot of interruptions for kids, programs. COVID will hit one program and shut them down. And then it will it'll hit another program and it'll only affect a number of kids and having to adjust practice schedules, game schedules, um, having to try to get our teams to their competitions has been a challenge. Those are the things that we've been dealing with for this school year. I mean, our seasons are back to to a normal look like we've had five years ago. I mean, the the time span, the way we schedule competitions, it's pretty much a, I don't want to say day-to-day, but it has been in in certain weeks. You've been Mm day-to-day. I, th- I think you can I think you can plan for a week and have the hope that things will stay in order. But it's been such a disruption for the kids and the families and confusion around how we deal with this certain program has a positive case and how are we dealing with that with the other players and the coaches. We try to combine programs on some things and we haven't been doing that because we keep them apart, cohort them a little bit. It's disrupted a lot of the outside of the playing field or the court activities that programs like to do with with building their cultures and they're still doing them but it's it's on a it's on a different it has a different feel and slowly those things will start to come back to what they're used to 
What do you think, Lance? I think exactly right. I mean, I think from the scheduling side of it, you know, we have full schedules. We're playing now multiple levels of games, but that's the normal part of it, but nothing else is. I mean, you almost take this year and you break it in. In the fall, Grant you was outside outside sports. You know, we had larger capacities. We were able, even inside, we were able to have larger capacities that way. So it was more of a traditional feel. So you really thought it got back. And then all of a sudden, we winter came. And now we've kind of, we've got full schedules and playing, but now we've got different problems with the, obviously now with, you know, some spectator limits and everything and spectator limits in the Salem-Kaiser school just made everything different again. So I kind of got back to that part with our coaches where, and kids where they're constantly changing, where in the the fall it was pretty, it was pretty normal, you know, besides like, you know, smoke, but we live with that over here all the time. But now in the winter, now we're back into that, oh, are we going to play today? Is this going to happen here? And so that's been tough. And hopefully here in the spring, in a couple weeks, you know, when spring sports start, we'll get back to that outside and, and back to that normalcy. Yeah, we are normal, but we're really not all the way there. But compared to a year ago, yeah, we're headed in the right direction. And I think our, our kids can see that. And I, I think our coaches can see that too. It's just now getting over that last hump of trying to get them through there and go, yeah, we are. Think about where we went from last year to this year. What's next year going to be like? Well, Lance, you're, you're actually setting up for a big wrestling tournament uh, coming up real, real soon, right? Yeah, today. Yeah, three today, hours, today, four yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Start rolling out mats in about three hours. So what's that, what's that look like right now for how that's going? Dave kind of hit on her early. You know, it's first is there just a lot of logistics behind it. I think we have like eight schools coming in uh, for our Frosh Novice Wrestling Tournament. With eight schools coming in, now we have spectator limits. So that means now I have eight guest lists come in. So making sure that we've coordinated all that. Then, you know, we've got all the safety protocols besides just the normal days of just rolling out the mats, getting the bleachers out. How are we going to keep uh, teams spaced? We're not going to stick 100 kids in, in, a, in a weight line anymore. How are we going to space out the, the weigh-ins? How are we going to make sure that when we're not actively participating, you know, we're wearing our masks with coaches and players? And then just the logistics of just making sure that the event still continues to run. So, you know, you put all those things on there and it's just it just becomes what used to be a, a, a hard event just becomes a little harder because there's just so many unknowns. And then the same thing about right now we've got full, you know, we might have 18 kids, but in three hours, maybe all of a sudden a team might drop. So, you know, you just have to be really flexible, but it, it just adds a few layers, more more logistical. The kids are still doing their thing. The coaches are still doing their thing. It's just more, there's just more logistics involved. So that's just a tremendous amount of additional work. I got to ask, I mean, this is the first talk that comes to my mind. What keeps you engaged in it and what keeps you motivated to do it? I mean, the the challenge that comes along with current conditions and how hard and, and difficult it is to add all these pieces in, why do it? I sit there and I tell our, our coaches and everything it's going to get better. And then I watch our coaches just go out there and absolutely try to give our Mountain View kids the best experience possible. And our coaches do that. And then you watch the kids. Here's a great example is our Frosh Novice today. This is a big deal for them. I mean, it's kind of like their district tournament. You know, they're going to get a chance to tournament bracket on in and get a chance to maybe bring home a certificate. And the looks in their eyes, last time we had it two years ago, we had a kid and watching him actually win some matches and the look on his face. And then you look into the crowd and his mom dad were just so excited that he was excited and that was the connection that kept that kid in school was just this wrestling event asking my coaches you know it's going to get better watching them put in the effort and then watching those kids faces I mean that's that's what we do it for I mean I think it's just like teachers I mean you know they're looking for that light bulb moment in the classroom we have those light bulb moments out there with our coaches and individuals 
and then watching the families smile because I mean families have been through a lot too a lot of change and with school and athletics and then watching them get to watch them compete and then have some success it's, it's what drives you I mean it's it's a kid it's a kid driven world you know you mentioned the that sometimes athletics might be the single thing that's keeping a kid functioning in the classroom and I just I just wonder about there's so many years of experience and you both have seen a lot I think about the power of engagement in athletics as a motivator and as a an opportunity for students to have a place to be connected. I just wonder what you've seen and what you think about the power of that engagement and the power of athletics and how that can be a, a, a change maker for a kid. Oh, it definitely can. I don't and I wouldn't just I wouldn't just put it on athletics. There's so many, so many opportunities for kids at our high schools with clubs and activities and athletics. There I mean there's literally if a ki- if if they want to engage, there's literally something for everyone. I mean, there's a Bigfoot club at one of our high schools. There's <laughs> there's clubs that that just outside of the box stuff that just kids come up with these clubs and they organize groups of kids and they go to the activities director and they just become connected to what's happening at the school. Athletics is a big part of that. I mean, that's out in the public eye. It's out in the in the you know everybody sees it. They don't see all the the little clubs that are going on and all those kids coming to school because of that. But yeah, the athletics is a huge connection. I mean, it's what connected me to school. I wasn't I wasn't an overly great student, good student. You know that that's what kept me coming. The Friday nights, the you know the Saturday doubleheaders, the the trips on the bus with the basketball team. Those are the things that that bring a lot of those kids into our buildings. I think you, I think you nailed it right there. It's the it's I mean, athletics and clubs in general, it's besides competing and I know we all win and lose, but really it's the social aspects. I mean, there's a lot of kids that love to play sports just because of the connection with their friends or they get to meet new friends that way and I just think it's it's invaluable. I mean, we just started the other day you're talking about Bigfoot club. I mean, we had a group of kids now that have already come up with like a pickleball club, you know, and here's this group of kids now that they're bonding and not only that they're learning life skills now they've learned to try to start something and so i mean i just think the lessons and connections that athletics and clubs and all that puts together is just invaluable i mean it's just taking the classroom and moving it into another uh, you know another realm okay so we're asking this question of everybody that's on the podcast this year uh, especially under the conditions we're kind of working through just love to know what is giving you both hope right now what gives me hope is just is watching our coaches work with with the kids, giving them these continued experiences and access to so many things that they don't get outside of our buildings. A safe environment, a competitive, nurturing environment. Kids can take away and become better citizens and thrive in our communities. And I mean, that's those are the things that I think of. I mean, sure, yeah, heck, we're gonna go out and try to win games and do all those things, but really, that is beside the point to why we offer what we do. And I think you go back to, you asked a question a while ago about what was it like when the shutdown happened. I go back to that point when I was grabbing the laptop and everybody's going home and telling everybody that we're we'll back in two weeks to months to where we are now. We're back having schedules. Kids are competing. Coaches are coaching. Kids are back in the classroom. Study halls are happening. Clubs are going. And it's not normal yet, but it's moving that direction. And kind of leads me back to years ago when it was just a, a normal season. So I'm just, I think we're headed that way. And that's what keeps giving me hope. And we're just going to keep plugging along. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks for that. Thank you both. Uh, I want to I wanna thank my guest, Dave Williams, Lance Haas, for sharing the life of athletics and activities often in our schools and uh, the work that 
you both do or it's think back to my experience some of the most meaningful memories I have from my high school time was was come came from my relationships to my coaches my co-competitors and the athletes I was a part of so thank you for this uh, appreciate your time thanks for having us you bet all right, folks, this is a new podcast in Benlapine Pine Schools. We're over a dozen now. We hope that uh, you're checking in on those if you're pleased with the work we're doing on these podcasts. Uh, also, share them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Additionally, if there are topics you'd like us to tackle, please send us a note at podcast at bend.k12.or.us. Also, please let us know your thoughts and feedback. We're always grateful to hear from you. Thanks for listening to The Soup is On, and please remember to always support public education.